I don't know if any of you have ever heard of the forbidden chapter in Scripture. Can anybody tell me what the forbidden chapter is? What is referred to as the forbidden chapter, especially in some Jewish circles? Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Thank you. I'd like you all to turn to Isaiah 53 this morning. It's not going to be our text, but I want to, I'd like to do a responsive reading. Um, I'd like to read Isaiah 53, and we haven't done a responsive reading here in a while, but this chapter seems so uh, relevant at Christmas time to me. So if y'all would stand. And I'll read the first verse, and then you as a congregation can read the second verse, I'll read the third, and so on. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no form nor mindedness, and when we shall see him, there is no He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his, not his mouth. He was saved from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the soil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made an intercession for the transgressors. Thank you. You may be seated. As we look at Jesus' life and what we know about Jesus, it's very obvious that he fulfilled all of these prophecies in this chapter. As a result of those prophecies, The very next chapter, Isaiah 54, follows that. And Isaiah 54 is our text today. 
want to look at Isaiah 54 and what it means to us today. Now, as many prophecies do, this chapter has many, um, has many applications. And it can be interpreted several different ways. And I'm sure that the Israelites at that time interpreted it for them. It was a, it, it's, a, it's a chapter of hope, a message of hope. But I'd like to make this chapter applicable today, to us today. I'd like to bring it down to a personal level. What is God saying to us? We just read in Isaiah 53 about the Messiah. That Messiah has come. And He's come for all mankind. So these promises are for us today because of what Jesus did. And I believe that we can look at Isaiah 54 as promises that are prophetic of what it would be like under the new covenant, which happened after Jesus came. That's what Jesus brought to us. So the coming of Jesus changed everything, literally. And this is, we are celebrating this week the birth of Christ. And so what he went through, what others went through for that to happen has been on my mind. But his birth and him coming to earth literally made the impossible possible. The impossible happened. What had never been heard of before happened so that Jesus could come. A virgin birth, impossible. A star leading wise men, maybe, very unlikely. Angels announcing a royal birth to shepherds, unheard of. And the list goes on. As we think of those things today, Christians, artists, have polished and shown those events until they glisten and gleam. Almost like a fairy tale. But those events were no fairy tale. And they didn't glisten and gleam when they happened. Now the angels coming, I believe that was incredible. I believe that star shone really bright. It's how the wise men knew what it was. But those events did not happen easily. I want to read the words of evangelist Brent Carr. This is referring to Mary. She was highly favored, but was almost put away by the man she loved the most. Highly favored, but rejected by every person in Bethlehem. Highly favored, but she laid on the dirt floor of a barn and gave birth to a child she carried nine months. Highly favored, but in the middle of the night, had to leave all she knew and move to a strange town and country because God said so. Favor seldom looks like favor at first. Favor sometimes takes you through frustration, failure, and fear. You want to be favored of God. It may be in darkest night or deepest valley. But there in that place where no one sees you and you feel like no one understands, 
Whisper to yourself, this is only the beginning, not the end. This will turn out for my good and his glory. This is because I'm favored. Mary was chosen of God, and so are you. You are favored of God. Now, God's favor doesn't always seem like favor. And I'm sorry, I, I didn't tell you that. That was the end of the quote. I'm going on with what I wrote here. God's favor doesn't always seem like favor. God's love doesn't always feel warm and fuzzy. The cross he causes to carry is often quite hard and not easy to move. Each and every one of us has or will have a cross to bear, hard things to go through, disappointments to face, and maybe we face them over and over again. For each of you that feels what I'm talking about, in your heart, for each of you that thought of something in your own life or in that of someone else's, God has a special, special message in Isaiah 54 for us. I like to go through Isaiah 54. I don't think I'm going to read it all right away. We'll read it as we go through it. I want to read the first three verses at this point. Isaiah 54, verses 1 to 3. Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. <clears throat> now, how can a barren bring forth children? How can someone that can't have children need to spread out their stakes and enlarge their home? How can a virgin give birth? And by the way, how can 12 hostages simply walk away? When I first heard that story this week of how those 12 hostages literally walked away, I thought, well, how unclimatical. You know, all this time we've been praying and, you know, in our mind, in my mind, something big was going to happen and they were going to be released. You know, God was going to work this big miracle. They just walked away. And then it struck me, Peter just walked out of prison. God doesn't always work in bright flashy lights. But if you had $12 million worth of cattle in your field, don't you think you'd guard it pretty close? That was $12 million worth of people in that room and the guards were not there. You think God didn't have a hand in that? There doesn't need to be flashy lights when God moves. I say all that to say that God can use barren places to enlarge our tents. God can use a virgin to bring forth his child. God can take the hard things in our lives and the crosses we carry, the disappointments we face and the shame we bear, and use them to enlarge our tents. He used Mary's incredible shame, pain, and discomfort to bring the Messiah into this world. Can you trust him with your pain?
know this is a little touchy, but I feel like this is why God brought us to this message this morning. To the physically barren, those of you who are married but God has not given children, take these verses to heart. You're not forgotten. God may just be giving you an opportunity to have more children spiritually than your married friends with biological children. <clears throat> you have time, possibly resources and energy to reach out and use your talents to touch more lives than a busy mom ever could. And there's more. To those of you who are not married and life continues to move on, you may feel that your life is barren and unfruitful. These th first three verses of Isaiah 54 for you also. Your life is not a loss in God's hands. Your heart's cry is loud and clear to the Holy Spirit within you. Trust Him to make you a great nation spiritually. Your tent can and will be enlarged by the people you walk alongside and take with you to glory. Mary faced some really, really hard things. We face some really hard things in life sometimes. But I want you to think about this. Who is your family? Mark 10, 29, people came and said, and told Jesus, your, your mother and father, or your mother and your brethren want to talk to you. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or mother, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come eternal life. I'm sorry I prefaced that wrong. That's for a little bit later on. But Mark 29 and 30 here give us a promise. You can't give up too much here on this earth that God can't replace it with a hundredfold what you give up. Your tent will be enlarged as you give that barrenness, that hard spot in our lives to God. Verse 4 of chapter 54 here. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the approach of thy widowhood anymore. Fear not, your life will not be wasted. As a child of God, you will not be ashamed of what God's doing in your life. You're a part of His bride. Your shame and reproach have been taken away and you belong to Him. And I know I'm talking about really deep things because deep in our hearts sometimes is the only place that we allow that shame to be. We don't let people around to see it. We're okay. And we even glory in what God is doing in our lives. But when you wake up in the morning, how do you feel? 
that thought when you wake up with or when you go to bed at night. When nobody else sees what's going on in your heart. As a child of God, your family doesn't depend on your ability. It depends on what God does through you. How can we be sure that God will use our infirmities and pain for good? Let's look at verse 5. For thy maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. And thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. He made you the way you are. He has a specific calling and purpose for your life. You're his. You're part of his bride. He is your redeemer. Your life and situation are going to prove to the world around you who he is. And who is he? Look at the last, last, of, of, last part of uh, verse 5. Thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the one who redeems those dry spots, those barren spots in our hearts and our lives. The God of the whole earth, shall he be called. Why is he going to call that? Because of what people see in your life. Verse 6, For the Lord hath called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, and a wife of youth when thou wast refused, saith thy God. God gives us a picture here of a person that's a mess. And who of us was not a mess before God got a hold of us? Who of us without God is not a complete wreck? I talked a little bit about this morning in Sunday school about someone that I've seen several times in the job I'm on. They go, they just drive past on the road. And I didn't fully describe them. And it's this little bitty pickup, a loud muffler, and they're always in a hurry. But it's an older lady. Her face is gaunt. And she's quite often has a cigarette dangling out her lips. She looks like, and I can't say for sure, but she looks like she's on drugs. The children that she goes to pick up, obviously, every, every day look about as miserable as she does. And I think, I just, my heart goes out to them. But without God, that's where we all are. We all end up there, seeking, looking, trying more and more things to fulfill that need in our lives. We're a mess until God gets a hold of us. But that's not, verse 6 is not where God leaves us. Verse 7 and 8, For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. In those barren places, times in our lives, whatever they may be, it's not just childbirth, it's other areas of our lives that we're disappointed in ourselves. As we surrender to His will, God gathers up those broken pieces and redeems them. End of verse 8. But with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. 
A redeemer is one who takes something that is worthless and makes it useful again. Is he not every one of our redeemer? Can he not redeem the worst of us? He can redeem the worst of the places within us also. And I know it sounded like this message has been pointed towards ladies because that's what Isaiah 54 is, is talking about. But men, it's not just for ladies. There are hard things in the life that we as men face. Maybe it's letting go of finding a wife. Or maybe it's realizing that your children aren't following the path you laid out for them. And there's midlife crises, and that's a very real thing. When men realize that their life is half over, and they really don't have much to show for it. Maybe it's financial stress, or failure, or relationship issues that we seem completely incapable of dealing with. Barrenness is not only in a woman's life. It's also found in our lives. Anywhere there is something we cannot deal with on our own. Anywhere there's broken pieces that we physically cannot repair ourselves. And I'm pretty sure Mary felt like her life was nothing but shattered pieces. Even though the angel had spoken to her, even though she knew what she was going through was of God, you can rest assured also that what you're going through is allowed by God. The shame of what seemed like an illegitimate pregnancy, leaving for a foreign land in the middle of the night, eventually coming back to her homeland, but settling in another town, even though she didn't know it, it was to fulfill prophecy. Maybe she did, but we don't know that. But her settling, them settling in a different town fulfilled prophecy. God was putting her broken pieces back together into something far greater than she or Joseph could ever imagine. Do you think Joseph and Mary could look ahead through the ages and see us sitting here this morning because of what they went through? That God was using them to bring the Messiah so that you and I can be born again believers? I had, they had no idea. Will you trust him with your shattered dreams and broken pieces? Let's look at verses 9 to 13. God had just said that he, we would feel his anger for a little. As a sinner, before we come to Christ, we realize that our sins are hanging there over us. We feel that wrath because God says that the Bible says that God is angry with the wicked. Those that turn away from him and refuse him, they receive his wrath. There is a little bit of that until we give our lives to him. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. God will redeem us if we let him. That's his covenant, and it is not going anywhere. 
He is as sure as, more sure than the mountains, if you want to say it that way. Now let's look at verses 11, 12, and 13. And, and as I read these, think about the Father heart of God speaking through these verses to you. O thou afflicted, tossed with tempests and not comforted, behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors and lay thy foundations with sapphires. I will make thy windows of agates and thy gates of carbuncles and all thy borders of pleasant stones. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of thy children. Now wait, where'd these children come from? Verse 13, and all thy children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of thy children. As you start giving those broken pieces to God, those barren places in your life, He starts to set, make something beautiful of you. As He starts to redeem what we have broken, what we have shattered, others see that. Others see what, you're, what He is doing. And because of His work in your life, others are brought to the kingdom. Encouraged maybe along the way. The relationships that flow out of a life redeemed by God become the family we take with us to heaven. Verse 14. In righteousness shalt thou be established, thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear and for terror, for it shall not come near thee. As God puts us back together, <clears throat> our trust and faith in Him deepens. Our righteousness becomes more evident to the world. And fear becomes less and less. As we trust Him, as we see Him working, as we accept those places in our lives that aren't what we thought they would be, as we let God take our dreams and change them to what He wants. All of a sudden, verse 14 becomes very real. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear. I'd like to, <clears throat> I'd like to um, think too, and the thought of, of the people that we take with us to glory. As I was referring to it earlier in Mark there where Jesus, where they came to Jesus and said, who are your mother and your brothers are out here want to talk to you? And he said, these are my brothers and my mother, those that love the Lord, that serve the Lord. The closer we draw to God, the more real that becomes. You are my family. Sure, my children are even closer but our spiritual brotherhood, the people that we rub shoulders with that are affected by our spiritual journey becomes our family. And our tent, our borders are expanded through what God is doing in our lives. Now let's look at verse 15. Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. It 
seems a bit random, but I take that verse as a warning. As we draw nigh to God, as we allow him to work in our lives, there's going to be opposition. It's something that I don't really understand, but it seems to be truth. As we look at history, as we look, maybe even our own lives, the more someone draws close to God, the more the people that aren't experiencing that closeness with God try to knock you down. The more resistance you get. Because if someone else isn't experiencing God's work in their lives, for some reason they don't like to see that work in your life. And that work sometimes is simply accepting the will, His will, in our lives. As, he, as people see us accept that will, God's will in our lives. Maybe they are struggling with that themselves and don't want to give up to God. And as they see you do it, for some reason it brings up criticism. So as, as this process happens in our lives... We may face criticism. In fact, we probably will. The end of the chapter here brings that out. Verse 15, the end of it. How do I say it? That criticism will eventually be proven. Look at Mary's life. As a young lady, as a young married woman, she was considered an adulteress. Immoral. Jesus grew up under the shadow of being an illegitimate child. It took years to prove who he was and that Mary was not an adulteress. But the truth won out. The truth will win out, no matter what we face in life. If we are living according to what? According to God's will in our lives. The truth will win out. Verses 16 and 17. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. God created both. He both created the, the one that creates the weapon. God's created the one that uses the weapon. Look at verse 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. The title of the message for today was The Heritage of God's Children. What does He give us? What is He giving you? He's giving you a spiritual family. That's your heritage. That's our heritage. A spiritual family that can grow far beyond a biological family can grow far beyond physical blessings. All the things that we dream of, all the things I'm sure Mary and Joseph dreamt of. Look at the heritage that they received, even though it didn't feel like it at the time. God wants to use our lives to grow his kingdom. Think back to Isaiah 53 and all that Jesus did for us. All those prophecies he fulfilled, one right after the other. So we look back at his life, we see Isaiah 53 beautifully fulfilled. If that happened to Isaiah 53, what's going to happen with Isaiah 54? God can do the same thing in our lives. 
He can fulfill those promises to give us a great heritage if we allow him to. God will use what we see as barrenness and broken pieces to bring souls into his kingdom if we let him. As we think of the Christmas story, it isn't all glitz and glamour, but we're here today because of it. Let's let our lives be used of God to bring joy to the world. Let's have a song.